Giants as we speak are in the top eight. Welcome to the Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I'm joined by the Kid MG in studio. How are you, big fella? Yeah, good. Really good week. Uh, big week ahead. There's so much board on, it's crazy. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to the review and the preview. Big week in uh, Euro soccer. Italy are through on penalties this morning, and then it's England and Denmark overnight. It, uh, it may be coming home. It's all happening there, and we've got NBA finals. We've got Corey Homicide-Williams going to join us in studio a little bit later on, and we've got ace previews to talk about the Wimbledon tennis, and top rope today, she'll be here, talk Hall of Fame and Rugby League. It's a split round, so it'll be a bit flat. Only uh, four games to cover there, but uh, it's been a tumult... It's been a turbulent week for a couple of big favourites in the AFL. And we heard on the intro the Ds have completely shit their bed and the (laughs) Tigers, the dynasty could be over. Where do you want to start? Yeah, it's um, yeah, I've dubbed this week, uh, well, sorry, last week, around 16, it's almost like moving week in the golf. Mm. Um, we saw some uh, some big changes. All of a sudden, the, the eight has opened right up with uh, your side, West Coast, uh, another appalling effort down at the Cattery. And your side, West Coast. Obviously, <laughs> obviously <laughs> Richmond, uh, yeah, not sure where they're at. They've got, a, they've got a big game. If you look forward to Richmond's draw, they've got Collingwood this week, um, which shows that they're competitive around the uh, eight or ten line, but then the next two weeks after they play top four sides. So Richmond have got to uh, it, turn this around quickly with uh, three or four sides now in, in striking range. I think the season's over. I think they've only got four key injuries, but when you look at the, the injury list, it looks like there's about ten yeah. uh, Tigers stars injured, but I think there's only like four of their starting uh, all their best 22. Uh, yeah, they've been hurt down back. Um, you know, this week uh, it's likely that four of their back six on on as their best team will be out. So, um, yeah, they just can't cover the bases like they used to. Um, whether they're running out of motivation, whether they're just tiring, or whether other teams have worked them out, uh, the combination of everything's just putting them under pressure. They're lo- lose, losing to bad sides as well, which is unlike Richmond because they're uh, they normally put them away. So, yeah, they're under the pump. And probably a team that's more so under the pump, I guess, because they started so hot at the Demons. They seem to have lost their uh, attacking edge. I I said if they couldn't cover last week, they were a big query for mine for the grand final. And I think Ben Brown probably needs to – they need to throw him a lifeline and they need to figure out their forward structure and how they move the ball forward. And even Petrarca, a few uh, mates of mine, couldn't believe how poorly he disposed the ball. But they're in all sorts when they push the ball forward, aren't they? Yeah, they've uh, you know I'm not sure if they've just hit a flat spot because you know they did start ten and zero, um, and you know everyone was jumping out of trees to say you know oh, Melbourne are going to be near impossible to beat for the premiership. You know we hadn't even got to the halfway point. Uh, their last their last five and six weeks have been uh, up and down at best. Um, so whether they've just hit a mid season flat spot, maybe the coaches come off them a bit. Um, they you know there can be combinations that just not getting the job done. But I think it's more, as you said, their offense has gone right off. At one stage, they were number one offense and defense in the comp. Um, and now they're, you know, dropping dropping games to really bad sides. When, when I think they lost to Adelaide and Collingwood. Um, yeah, they, they've got a big test this week now because, uh, you know, the first game we've got on Thursday night, the Port-Melbourne game, um, the fallout for the loser because then Port... Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, because Port at home got Melbourne at their lowest point probably for the year, yep. uh, struggled to beat good sides. So the fallout for Port for the loss is probably just as big for Melbourne. But um, we'll preview, preview that game a bit later. All right, let's have a look at round 16 and we'll have a look at the bookie wrap. We'll go through the results and uh, the favourites went 7-9 and nine at 78%. The line was 6-9. and 
nine at 67. And the totals, uh, low scoring affairs, three out of nine at 33%. And for the season, the favourites have covered 69% of the time, the line 47. And then the total is uh, smack bang on 50%. So mm-hmm. it hasn't been as high scoring as uh, Mr. Hocking would like. Your man. Finally get a scalp. It's yeah. a good day. It's, a, it's been a great week for uh, for AFL. Yeah. They finally uh, <laughs> put a bullet in him, but we'll get to that a little yeah, bit we'll later on. We'll get a little bit, but uh, the scoring has dried up a little bit, and there's yeah. some funny business going in the AFL. It's it's fluctuating the form incredibly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's sides are just all at sea at the moment, and players are playing for their careers. And yeah, the, just... la- the last two the last two weeks combined now has only been five out of eighteen uh, have gone over the totals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're well adjusted. So, you know, I think they're pretty true numbers. And it wasn't like there was a lot of um, weather around the week just gone as well. So, um, yeah, the new rules that uh, were flouted by the AFL at the start of the year to open up the game, it'll increase scoring, all this, it just hasn't come to fruition. So, um, from that side of it, it's, uh, you know, we're still adjusting, I think. And like the NRL totals are on the way up, the AFL totals are going in reverse at yeah. the moment. So, um, yeah, we'll see with your mate uh, Hocking. Uh, Going back to one of your favourite places, the Cattery, we'll see the next man in line, uh, how he goes with opening up the scoring. Let's have a look at uh, the fluctuations and the hits and misses, as we call it, for round 16. The Gold Coast line was 33 to 27 and a half. That was a hit over the Tigers. The under was 166 to 155. That was another hit. The Geelong under, 159 to 148. Uh, it hit the middle. It was interesting. It, uh, it dried up uh, really well down at the Cattery. It was uh, it was light rain. Adelaide were 26.5 to 21.5. That was a miss. The Brisbane were dominant there. Uh, Adelaide under there was 167 to 161. Fremantle, the under was backed 155 to 150. That was a hit. The Hawthorne move was really interesting, I thought. 24.5 to 16.5. And, and I thought Will Day was... The, one of the big reasons we beat the Giants the week before. Yep. So I was surprised, and so were you, and you were, you were pretty bullish on uh, Paul yeah, Late, weren't you? Yeah, good result. Strange move. It was a bit Carlton-like, actually, the way uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, the money move for Hawthorne. It was a bit strange, I thought. Mm. Um, Port, Port had got an unbelievable record for beating the week, so uh, that surprised us. We were able to jump on at a good number late and get the chocolates. Uh, the total there was backed under, so 165 to 153. That was a hit. It landed 140, so easy cover there. And then the Western Bulldogs under 169 to 163 was a miss. It was pretty free-flowing. And the Western Bulldogs were a team that I got wrong. And that had a couple of weeks. Like, in hindsight, it's it's super, super easy. But they'd, they'd have a rough, you know, couple of weeks on the road. They had some really tough games, and they finally get a let-up, and uh, they didn't cover the minus. So I had plenty of egg on my face taking near the uh, the 49.5. It, uh, it was a rocky Sunday mm. afternoon, and the South not covering was another uh, little <laughs> hiccup. But um, the sting in the tail, this is where we discuss the hot topics in AFL, and uh, we chime in, and it's a bit of a rant each week. But... Uh, I was pretty stoked the other day. Steve Hocking finally departs as uh, the football operations boss and he returns to Geelong. So I've been calling for his scalp. Uh, the, you know, I guess it's yeah. what, ding dong, the witch is dead. He's <laughs> my, my spies or my inside you know, players and people I know around various AFL clubs have despised this bloke. For the the and maybe he's the fall guy for the AFL, but the lack of consultation, third man up in uh, the ruck, all the rules that he's sort of dragged out in the last couple of years, it seems like the AFL have just done it off their own bat and haven't consulted enough people. So I think he's a perfect fit for the Cats now. So everyone from every other club can go hate him as the Geelong CEO. Jeez, you got hatred for the Cats still, don't you? It's a perfect fit for you. <laughs> you know, your favourite AFL man going down to your favourite club. Um, 
Yeah, listen. The, the, the You're fa- happy he's gone, though. You, you've um, been you, yeah. every week. You come in every week on the run sheet. You're like, let's go after this and this, and it's you. All, you, you hate the the current state of the game. Well, I, I'm surprised. I mean, I watch a press conference like you with Gil. Uh, I love how they they celebrate anything the AFL. Um, you know how they tried to roll out the positives of what Hawking's done, and I'm not saying he did an appalling job. I don't know how you want to. You know what was he there for? Four and a half seasons, mm. um, and you know, granted, he had to go through the last two seasons of COVID and stuff like that. So we all have. Know, 100%. No, but in his job for the AFL, you know, it wouldn't have been smooth sailing what they've had to go through. So there's a little asterisk there um, for his job. But, you know, for them to come out and did what they did this year um, to the game of AFL, um, you know, it fell very flat and they're still trying to celebrate these wins. You know, the you know the list is longer on the negative side than the positive side if everyone wants to be truthful mm. um, of what he's uh, initiated in the game. You know, anything from the uh, the MRP hasn't worked, it's not working, it needs to be overhauled, it's too inconsistent. Uh, the umpires have been probably... Confused. The, um, the umpiring of the game is at its lowest ebb. Yeah. You know, I can't remember in, in, in my time, it dates back a little while now, that the umpires are under more pressure than ever and mm. it's a direct result uh, from, one, from one man, yeah. you know, I, I think. So, yeah, they come out and celebrate the wins and say what he is, um, but whether the game benefits from him moving on and the next man up, uh, time will tell, but at least we get a fresh start, hopefully going in 2022, and they'll correct some rules that uh, hopefully Scooty will free up some scoring for uh, next year. The three, uh, the three rules that you liked in his legacy have been the six 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 starting positions, the play on out of the goal square, and less injuries, uh, less interchanges. Sorry, yeah. to create that fatigue factor, and I'd probably agree with all of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, credit where credit's due. Some of them worked. It hasn't been an over from Hocking, um, but you know, I just think uh, the thing personally I haven't liked about. Hocking and what he's done for the game is just his ability to, uh, as you said, not consult or take on board uh, information from others. Um, and probably when you've made a decision and it's been in error, the ability to correct it, you know, not not go the other way and try and keep selling uh, or flog a dead horse, if you want to say, you know, because not all the rules and the implementations work. And I, I just think he should have pulled back on a couple and, you know, people forgive and forget very quickly. If you put up your hand and say, listen, I thought this would work, we tried it, it mm. didn't, um, let's go back and, and either scrap that or, or change it again. Um, and I think the fans and the players be more forgiving in that. So um, well, I wish him best in his next job, but hopefully the next man up uh, is a bit more uh, better for, for the game. Mm. And speaking of uh, next man of the job, Clarkson's obviously uh, about to be shown the door at Hawthorne and Sam Mitchell has got the... Got the gig there. Yep. It seems like yeah. Well, I've got a question for you. I think uh, you know we don't mind the uh, odd game of poker and stuff with uh, with the boys. So my take on this for you is: Did Collingwood play uh, one of the most perfect poker hands uh, against your club, the Hawks, to potentially get their man that they actually wanted all along in uh, Clarko? They could. Yeah, you, you. We've probably been handled here. I'd <laughs> I'd probably agree. Well, you can already see Graham Wright at the Hawks. Oh, sorry, at at Collingwood, ex Hawthorne. Yes, and yeah, Dunst, Dunst, maybe they Dunst, have bluffed us. Dunstall wasn't happy on is, AFL three sixty last night. I saw he, some snippets of it this morning, and I get the feeling that Clarko's not going to stick around. Yep, and I think it's just a PR play to try and smir- like soften the blow for Hawthorne supporters. But if I had to price Clarkson going to Collingwood, I'd say he's clear favourite. Odds on. He has yeah. to be 
twos on to to get the gig and yeah. just throw the kitchen sink. It seems like Hawthorne, or just what from what Dunstall said, Hawthorne are happy to let him go if Collingwood come out and want to pay him a, a giant contract, which I'm sure he'll do. And yeah. uh, Carlton would be mad not to try and throw their hat in the ring, but yeah. he's just the perfect fit for Collingwood. Like he can handle the scrutiny of the media. Yeah. He can get in there. There's no pressure on him to get a result for the first couple of years. Hawthorne were a complete basket case before yeah. Clarkson came. And I think you're right. Like, they, they probably fished for uh, Mitchell yep. and they really wanted Clarkson the whole time. So they probably pulled our pants down. I could fast forward four or five years, Hawthorne, yep. Collingwood in a big final and Clarkson probably out coaches Sam Mitchell and I'll be in the stands and I'll be filthy. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it now. But, uh, yeah, it's true. It's a funny one. I don't know about these succession plans. It's working okay for the Bombers because they've got a really good list at the moment with Worsfold and uh, and Rutten. But have a look at what happened at Collingwood with well, with Malthouse. The succession the, the didn't Malthouse work. and then Buckley. Like yeah. that was a disaster. The succession didn't work at Essendon. Uh, it fell flat, and and there hasn't been a succession plan that's worked. And Hawthorne won't carry out with theirs. I I agree with you. I think. Uh, there's little to no chance that Clarkson will be uh, coaching Hawthorne next year. They will tr- just try and get through the rest of the year. They probably won't uh, uh, overshadow the finals or anything like that, but I'd be staggered in the off-season uh, if they even last that. Like Clarko, Clarko's not going to just go through the motions for the year. Second if, fiddle. If he's going to another club, and whether that be Collingwood or Carlton, he'll want to get the jump on next year um, to try and, you know, turn them far around. And the heart's not in it for Hawthorne anymore. He's done his job there. He's been there 18 yeah, years, yeah. four flags. Um, I, I just think it's better. If you've made the decision to go with Mitchell, um, be brave and treat him with, with probably the respect that he needs. Uh, and the fans, again, will appreciate it more. Uh, just to say, listen, we're going with Mitchell for the future um, and, you know, give him his credit and let him go. Mm, it's an interesting one. Why do you have to... Why, why do you have to move these coaches on? We saw es- yeah. uh, Essendon have a massive reign with Kevin Sheedy. We've seen probably, what, two coaches in 20 years with Ruse and Longmire up at the Swans. Yeah. It just feels like they need to change for the sake of it. And oh, I just hope it doesn't come back to bite us in the uh, in the bum. But time will tell. And uh, it's going to be a cracking show today. As we said, we're going to have a look at uh, round 17. We're going to have a look at uh, the AFL there and the NRL, the split round, as I said, the NBA finals. Corey Homicide-Williams is going to join us. He's always up and about. And we've also got ace previews to talk about Wimbledon. It's starting to get to the pointy end of the competition there. And lock of the week, whoa. Nick Tedeschi, $14 winner, Manly 51 plus. So hopefully a couple of you guys uh, at home have uh, had a sneaky little lobster on that or found uh, yeah something on it or a pineapple or uh, whatever and have cashed in on the $14 Manly 51 plus. It was an easy watch. All these anytime try scorers, the NRL is absolute rabble, but it's a fill up for the punters. Speaking of fill up for the punters, it's punningform.com.au. Make sure you find your edge with punningform.com.au. It's Australia's best uh, online database. I use it. I've used it for about four or five years, and it's turned my race form around. So if you're betting this spring and you want to get serious about backing uh, racehorses, punningform.com.au is a game changer. So make sure uh, you give them a try. We'll uh, take a quick break, and we'll look at round 17 AFL next. Welcome back to Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I've got MG here, and it's time to talk round 17 AFL action. And Thursday night football is an absolute belter. Port Adelaide versus the Ds. $1.80, the Port Adelaide team, in from $1.90. Two and a half the line there, and $2.02, the Ds. Thursday night at Adelaide Oval. Wow, massive edge for uh, Port Adelaide at home. They're flat-track bullies. They'll be up and about. They've beaten the form side of the competition, the Hawks, I jest. <laughs> but... Uh, 
The D's are in oh, free fall. Dear. Oh, they're not in free fall. Jeez, you, you jumped off. You've been championing this team for the best part of two months, Melbourne. I only want. I be, want I them to win. win. I want no, them to be successful. No, you injured yourself jumping off their, their bandwagon this week. <laughs> seriously, um, it's been a, a massive sell from security. Um, yeah, this game surprised us actually. When we were, when we were doing the prices uh, on Monday, uh, I did did ask you. Uh, we were surprised that Melbourne came up two and a half point favourites here. So not not a massive uh, mistake by the bookie that led out. But uh, there's no way Melbourne could start favourite in this game, in my opinion. Um, Port at home uh, have a good record. They've won three in a row now, Port, and they've also beaten Melbourne their last three times. Big home ground advantage. I uh, just don't see how. Uh, the market, the early market, thought that Melbourne would start favourite in this game. I think, I think maybe three or four is about right, depending on. You know, I know there's a little query over Boke at this stage, um, but if he does play, uh, I think he can only be with Port on this game. I just think Melbourne are struggling until they actually come out of their funk. I just don't see uh, you can be on them around around this price. So, I like Port in this game. Um, I think it'll be a low-scoring game being said. Uh, this could be a really low-scoring game. Mm. Um, Melbourne love a low scrap. We saw they can drag people down and just, you know, they're a bit like a, uh, a crocodile of sorts, aren't they? They love to drag you down into the mud and just try and wrestle out a win. Um, so, yeah, watch this total. Being at night as well with Adelaide, If uh, just watch Jimmy. maybe maybe the dew factor and uh, a bit slippery. Could be a low-scoring game, but, yeah, I, I like Port in this game, and I, I still think at the minus two and a half they're a good bet. Mm, until you can see the uh, the D's turn it around at the moment, this mid-season slump. They're, they're possibly lucky, the D's, that this form slump's not coming at the end of the year. They've got time to correct it, yes. and they're still going to play a lot of their games at the MCG, which is a, a big advantage. Let's have a look at uh, the other game at the MCG this uh, Saturday afternoon is Carlton versus Geelong. It's an interesting venue for both sides. I've got the Cats, what, thirty, Carlton, three sixty five, and the line, 20 and a half. Which Geelong's going to turn up, yeah. and uh, no, Jeremy Cameron's a big one, but uh, surely Geelong cover this line, all things equal. Because Carlton, yeah, they've I, still not impressed me. They had a bit of a gimme last week, but the one before against Adelaide, they were very lucky to win that. Their form is a little bit false for the last couple of weeks, yeah, in my opinion, 100%. against a side like Geelong who was so drilled and so polished and yeah. so well coached. Yeah. No, I agree. That's a very good analysis uh, there, Scoot. I just think when you first start to analyse this match, you know, 13th on the ladder, V5th, uh, it looks like a complete mismatch. Uh, and Jeremy Cameron uh, hurting for Geelong will hurt for sure. Um, he's a big loss. You saw the damage he did early before he went off. Uh, you know, definitely got them back in the game after uh, Essendon got the jump on him. And, uh, and then Hawkins took over. Um, so even though Cameron's out, they've, they've obviously still got Hawkins there. He knows how to win a Coleman, so he goes okay. Um, I just think you hit the nail on the head. The thing is with Carlton, um, you know, in the last two weeks, uh, they've beaten Adelaide by 10 points and Frio by 16 uh, and could have lost both. Um, so then, you know, if they come into this game losing both, then what's, what's the number then? Uh, the only downside for the Geelong is they do have to go to the MCG. Uh, haven't played there for a while, and I don't think the MCG suits the way Geelong plays because they like it in close, close up the game. So the Carlton uh, strategy going is, is to try and beat them with speed. Whether they're good enough for long enough uh, to be competitive this game is yet to be seen. But I think the price is about right. Um, couldn't take either side for mine, but the early money shows Geelong opened up 18, is now 20. So uh, I think if you're going to back Geelong, uh, even though the modellers love Carlton, 
and especially at the big price, um, I think Geelong just the just the side if you're betting. Mm. What about Dangerfield? He seems to be he's a back. little bit off. No, he's back. You think he's back? Yeah. Did you watch him last week? Yeah. I watched the game. Yeah, he's best on ground. Not not quite in his straps. Uh, no, I, I think 37 possessions is, is a fair game. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, had plenty of Essendon supporters that said Parrish was definitely best on ground for that game. Who got the medal? Uh, Parrish got the medal. Uh We'll, we'll see Brownlow Knight gets the three votes. I'm, uh, I've been taking a few bets so far. <laughs> quite happy. Quite, I've, tr- I've got you there, haven't quite I? Happy, you. Quite happy to bet <laughs> even money uh, until the nose bleeds on this one. Uh, you'll come Brownlow Knight and you'll see who gets the three in the two. Right. I confident. think you owe me Bola Goose, so let's have another Bola Goose right, on it there. Fair. But uh, Cripper, in, he's got to be a big query. Well, I don't know. Yeah. You wouldn't risk him, would you? Uh, and that's and that's the two facet betting in this game. Well, I think why the line's going to shade Geelong's way, even at this number, is because if Cripps does come out, uh, all the energy goes in just to shutting down Walsh. I'm not saying that's easy to do the way the guy runs, but not having Cripps there, um, and if he does pull out, this line will be 25 and north. Mm. Oh, well, hopefully uh, they put Dangerfield a little bit deeper and uh, they could be a, uh, another weapon in, oh, in replacing yeah, Cameron. Yeah, he could. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely an option. He, he's back. He's um, you know, he took a few weeks to, to get, get going right. in Dangerfield, which he had a uh, a bit of time out of the game. Uh, he'll he'll play some forward, but yeah, he's definitely back in the midfield. Okay, let's have a look at uh, the Western Bulldogs versus Sydney Sunday afternoon at the Dome. A dollar thirty-three. The Dogs Swans three forty, and the lines now shifted to from nine and a half to twenty and a half. But uh, my man, uh, astronaut, not playing. He knocked himself out. What a good way to go. <laughs> <laughs> People normally knock themselves out at two or three in the morning after having a big night out. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he keeps throwing himself around. It was only a matter of time. Yeah. Uh, it was a decent head knock as well, wasn't it? So they he, sort of half carded, didn't they, last week against the Kangas? Got the job done. They yeah. were trying. You know, they were a bit. I thought I thought it was a bit arrogant the first half of the match with the uh, yeah the was, way they were playing. It was a switch off. It was mm. just get through, get the W. They know they're better than the Kangaroos. Uh, just got the job done. I'm sure they got an eye on this week with Sydney, who uh, who are going well. Sydney, aren't they? Um, They've definitely improved. There, I was amazing. Seventeenth like last year, and and now they're in the top eight. Yeah, it's crazy, and they're entrenched in the top eight as mm. well at the moment. Um, you know, this is a big game for them. That being said, against the Bulldogs at the moment, there's probably no bigger test in the AFL than going up against the Bulldogs. They do get them at the right time without Norton. It'll be interesting to see. How the Bulldogs do readjust their forward line um, without Norton, just to crash packs more than anything. You see what... No, da- he's unbelievable. How dangerous um, Waitman is. I know he took a few marks on the weekend, but he loves the front, front and centre, and I saw him get interviewed after one of the on one of the stations where he just said he loves Norton crashing the packs because mm. he... Opens know- it up for and him. It opens it up for him. So him not being there uh, falls on now Bruce, who's not... He's probably the opposite. He doesn't like crashing the packs too much. Not big on the body contact, Bruce. Um, so Sydney, Sydney will give themselves a real chance in this game. Uh, you know, I think the line's again about right. I think between that twenty to twenty-two range. Uh, there's been a slight shift for the Bulldogs so far, but uh, if you like Sydney here, I think you're getting a decent start, and they'll give you a good sight for your money. 
So it's a good test for both sides and not a game I'll probably bet in, but definitely I'm, I'm looking forward to watching. Mm, definitely a fascinating contest. If you want Mark's analysis uh, for the next couple of weeks, you can get it for $33 or you can just sign up for the rest of the year for 99 Very good value. He's uh, starting to turn the ship around the last couple of weeks and his Brownlow medal, well, Brownlow medal and uh, futures analysis is absolutely spot on. Uh, if you want to uh, do your own models, make sure you check out punningform.com.au. You can build your own model. You can get the raw data there and those guys can put you in uh, contact with uh, some uh, modelers and uh, they can set you on the right track there. So punningform.com.au is uh, one of our proud sponsors. We're going to take a break and up next we're going to talk to Top Rope Possession. Welcome back to Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host Scoot. I've got MG in studio and it's time to talk Rugby League and Hall of Fame with our favourite up north and it's Top Rope Tedeschi. How are you surviving lockdown up in the uh, the Premier State, New South Wales. No lockdown in Orange, Scooty. No lockdown in Orange. I've got a golf date this afternoon, and uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm rolling free out here, mate. So don't worry about me. We're, uh, we're flying, and you know what? Rugby league's flying. No news, nothing in the news this week about rugby league. Just business <laughs> as usual, right? Oh, how's the uh, the St George <laughs> Dragons? They are stiff. You run around for eighty minutes. You're in the change rooms. You're sweating. You're isolated from. Everyone else anyway. Yeah. And so you sneak a couple of boys around for a couple of jars. <laughs> Next thing you know, the Johnny Hoppers roll around and blokes are hiding under the beds and in the cupboards. It doesn't make any sense, all this COVID nonsense. They're a bit stiff, the Dragons, aren't they? I'll tell you what doesn't make any sense, that they're already, they're, they're already the, 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 the teammates around and uh, bringing subs for themselves. If, uh, if that story holds by the end of the week, <laughs> I will then say give it away. It's, uh, it'll hold as well as the Jack DeBellin wasn't their, that wasn't their story. What about that bloke? He's he, he's been absolutely blessed to, to to get off what he's got off. He's got away with it two years. He's finally back and and, and pulls this stunt. <laughs> Some people just never learn. Mm, I think uh, a lot of people were calling him Bell in, but there was some win from the St George Dragons. <laughs> I thought that was a great comeback. So I thought they were entitled to uh, blow off a bit of steam. It was really impressive. They deserved the win. Some people are used to calling him Bell in. Um, it's, uh, it, 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 well, it was, it was a ridiculous win, to be honest. For those of us on the Warriors, why they were kicking a field goal when they were up eight, give them a seven, give them a seven tackle set, march on the field, score two tries, still blessed, no conversions, golden point, and all of a sudden, you're in the match, you've finally got the ball, you've got a scrum at halfway, they throw a stupid play off the scrum, drop the ball in their own half. Bang, Corey Norman field goal, game over. An incre- incredible win, but I'd say a, a more incredible capitulation. Mm, it's uh, it's a performance almost uh, worthy of the Hall of Fame, but uh, there's been a fair bit uh, going on this week. It's uh, July 4th over in the States. Yeah. MG, you've got a, a nomination for the hot dog uh, eating contest oh, yeah. over there. Yeah, it's still the going, of- the Coney Island hot dog <laughs> competition. I remember betting on this 10 years ago. Yeah, it's been going a long time. It's Kobe uh, in- and Joey Chestnut institution over there. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, no COVID over there. They uh, well, they changed it to a baseball field um, instead of having it on the pier like they normally do. But uh, yeah, my Hall of Fame this week. I, you know, I know I've got my one for the year top rope, but uh, Joey George Chestnut they call him, and uh, he beat the record. You got ten minutes to eat as many dogs as you can, and his record was seventy five, and the new world record's now seventy six. So. I don't know how you go uh, top rope on the fang, but 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 
Oh. And it's his 16th world title in 17 years. So he's been doing it a while. So uh, I don't Hard know how many hot dogs that adds up to in his lifetime. But uh, I'm tipping, you know, he's going to be my out wide Hall of the Fame this week. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, uh, MG, you and I are on the same same wavelength this week. So I've just got it up right here. Joey Chester is going into the Hall of Fame for all the reasons you've just mentioned. And the fact that his <laughs> first few victories, yeah, 15, 16 years ago, he was big odds against. Yes. And you know what else? It's very hard to back Joey Chestnut these days to win it. He's a dollar one every year. Mm. But you can usually get dollar ninety. He was he was dollar ninety to uh, break his world record this year. Yeah. Does it again. He breaks his world record by one every year. It's just one after the other. I'll tell you what I mean, though, MG, he, I, I just could not I, one thing I cannot abide by is wet bread. So I, I couldn't do the dunk, <laughs> so leave me out of it. But uh, yeah. I've got a lesser view of wet bread than I do of rugby union, and that's pretty damn low. Um, but it's uh, 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 yeah, it's an entertaining sport, and Joey Chester is probably the champion of champions. And I, I hope you've seen the thirty for thirty boys. Have you seen the thirty for thirty? No, on, I haven't. On Joey yeah, and Kobe Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as Nico said, I used to bet um, when Kobe Ashi obviously made the sport. I guess what it is. Uh, you know, when it started being on TV, <laughs> the Japanese, he was unbelievable, wasn't he? Like uh, a bloke that was literally like Scooty's size, knocking back uh, 60 hot dogs, I think it back was in those days. Incredible. And uh, yeah, the 30 for 30 is great viewing top rope. It's a very good tip. Absolutely. Uh, what's incredible, the, 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 they've reduced the time from 12 minutes to 10 minutes yes. about six or seven years ago, and they're still smashing records. It is unbelievable. It, and it, there's, a, uh, there's a great... Uh, a great book out there. This is we're going to a little birdie book club right now, rather than Hall of Fame. But uh, um, a great book called Insatiable, which is about the world of professional uh, professional eating. competitive eating. Yeah. Holy moly! Yeah, you know, the hot dogs get the, the hot dogs are the famous one, right? But there yes. is a whole circuit out there of the weirdest foods. It's not just hot yeah. dogs and chicken wings. It is yeah. it is out there and. And, you know, we, there's the men's competition, Joey Chestnut, world famous, now a little birdie Hall of Famer. But you've got to look at, uh, at the ladies' competition, Sonia the Black Widow Thomas, some of the stuff she's putting away. <laughs> wow. I've seen the, um, the boiled egg competition oh. one. I tell you what, if you want to have uh, – if your stomach's not strong – that's an event you want to sit down and watch. Watch, watch how many uh, units knock back hard-boiled eggs. I tell oh, you what, that is, uh, oh, this is, a, this that is, is uh, some viewing. The aftermath of that top rope would be uh, not something to smell, oh, I think. Ugly. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who have I got to move on? It's, it's, a, it's a big opportunity for bookmakers, though. It's a big yeah. opportunity for bookmakers, though. Like, why are we not? Why are they not streaming this? Why are we not betting on this week to week? Come on, bookmakers! This, you know, I've got a whole a whole Tuesday free after the golf before the footy starts. <laughs> Let's get some competitive eating rolling on a Tuesday. Top rope. I'd love to know when you say that Joey Chestnut just beats his record by one because he's the only one that's got to beat it the year after. But I wonder actually how many either in training or in the lead up he could actually do right now. Oh, you know, like if he just you've got, if he just you've got to think he could do eighty, right? Well, I don't know. I'd lo- love to sit down or either him to tw- tweet out, and you know he's got no competition really. He should tweet out and say, "Listen, I could do a hundred on my ear kind of thing." Like, what's the, what's his upside going forward? Oh, I love it. They need I to. I reckon they need to put him on a five day bender at Vegas and then see how many he can eat after that. Oh. Put him under some real pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I'm tipping 76 hot dogs in 10 That's minutes. That's a bit of pressure. That's a handicapping. <laughs> All right. Joey Chestnut goes into the Hall of Fame. And a little side note, I'll tell you what. Speaking of belly aches, because that would give me a belly ache, I think uh, Craig Bellamy is one of the biggest disgraces that he's not e- not even been mentioned or entered into the Hall of Fame. Nick Tedeschi, you're better than that. 46-0 last week. The Storm and auto bet, and we overlook him every week. No, he's wait- top rope's waiting for him to win the flag. Again. And then- How many times do you have to do it? Well, we've got a lot of bets to settle, and once they do, then he'll, he'll, be, the la- he'll be the last nomination oh. in for the season. We're, we're asleep at the wheel here, top rope. And I'll tell you what, when he, when he signs his contract extension to Kittens, he'll be in too. <laughs> but, he, but he hasn't, so he's not. 46 nil. All good. All good and well, Melbourne. You covered easy. You covered the extended line. Thanks very much. The total was 47.5. You missed a conversion. You can't get in when you're not covering everything. Come on, boys. No, fair enough. 46 nil was impressive last week, and sadly, uh, the Storm aren't playing it this week. But uh, let's have a look at round 17. It's lean, so we'll preview a couple of matches. The uh, early games, a Thursday night match up first. Manly Seagull versus Canberra Raiders, who have been very disappointing in the milk. Very, very... Uh, Sour the milk this season. A dollar twenty-five at topsport.com.au. Four dollars the milk. A uh, fourteen flat there uh, at the minus the Sea Eagles. A uh, dollar eighty-five. A little bit of a nibble for the minus there. And forty-eight and a half is the total. And the money's been for the under here. Uh oh, Turbo out and DCE on Origin duty. Are we still allowed or still thinking it's a, a value gamble in this one? Top rope. Yeah, I'll be backing Manly minus for sure. Better the week oh. for mine. Uh, they are. They've scored fifty points the last three weeks, including, including when uh, Turbo and Cherry Evans were missing before uh, the last Origin as well. So, I'm uh, sorry, we rested after the last Origin against the Cowboys. They piled on fifty. Absolutely, just just get in the queue. But the Raiders <laughs> are horrendous. The Raiders have absolutely been. They, they conceded forty four points to the Gold Coast Titans last week. They conceded three tries from the Titans, who aren't in the eight, who aren't much good had 12 players on the field. Wow. It was utterly yeah, horrendous. Now, they're missing Upperly. They're missing Jack Whiten. They've lost a couple of injuries, Simonson and, and Whitehead. Manly, they just hold form. They've scored 50 points in four of their last six games, their last three. Just line up, get in the queue, bang. It's been 11.5 to 14, and I spoke to Tristan a while ago. It's very hard for bookmakers at the moment to be making money on NRL, and PVL's just slugged the... Uh, the wagering tax on NRL. He did that a couple of years ago. And all these minuses that are covering, it must be just so much pain for uh, top sport. Yeah, we did, we You're just... excited about it. You love it. No, well, yeah. <laughs> if, when, you, when, you put your, when you put your bookies hat on and if you think about it in reverse, it's not hard for the bookies. They just haven't adjusted in my opinion. Mm. Like, you know, you can put, um, you can do your numbers and, and run off models and do your historical form, but you've got to adjust to the, the Swim now with the tide. Well. And, They've just been, you know, it's like we spoke about the totals probably, what, 10, 12 weeks ago. Um, you know, they took a good three or four weeks, top rope was all top over jazz, it, yeah. that they just didn't push the totals high enough and they finally got there and now all of a sudden you've seen that evening out mm. process. They've reached their number. The favourites lopsided, top rope's been saying virtually from the start of the year that the big favourites will cover. And they do, um, they have. And, and the percentages in the favour, they're just starting too low with all these. I mean, what was um, was Manly last week, 20 to 28, I think it closed. The yeah. 20 to 28 and a half. 
Yeah. When's the last time? When's, well. when's the yeah. last time one of these strong teams' favourites, the line's actually gone the other way? Well, South and, and I guess South is probably the only uh, the big favourite that that has struggled to cover, and Top Rope's been sort of all over that and flagged yeah, but, them as a bit of a uh, bogey no, side. That, re- they they spoiled our Sunday afternoon, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, true, but not in. I'm talking just in the trading terms. Yeah, like, of course. When, when's a favourite actually turned around and gone to the dog way? They've all they've the, all one way. The only time it is when is when uh, is when a big player's been out. When yeah. you've seen it with the Storm and there's been a couple of big players there, they're still going and covering, but the lines have just gone 14 and a half to 10 and a half, and then they'll just go cover that by 20. Yeah. But so I, think like, I, I completely agree with everything you said. Like, I, I'm a historically yeah. a plus punter and a big plus I am all over, especially how this year I've just switched to minus, and you had yeah. to. And I'm surprised yeah. bookies have not adjusted. Like, that line last week, the Canterbury-Manly line, I think I played to you guys before we, yes. you know, before, before we'd even done the write-up for the, the, the GGOA. But this line is going to move significantly. There's no way this is going to start 20. In my pricing, my price is up minus 38. Yeah. And even that the final score was 28 points under what it should have been. Mm, so yeah. I, I, I'm surprised bookies are still kind of keeping within the bet. I know they've gone high and there's a lot more double-digit favourites this year, but they're not pushing out the big favourites big enough. There should be 30-point favourites on the regs this year. Good for us. Yeah, great for the punters at the moment. And uh, another hat tip to PVL, who's surprisingly in the little birdie hall of fame. But he's a bit of a cash cow at the moment for us. We're hammering the bookies. And uh, hopefully bookies can uh, steep, keep betting on the great game because it wouldn't be uh, that profitable for them at the moment. Let's have a look at the Friday night blockbuster. South Sydney Rabbitohs uh, against the North Queensland Cowboys. The Rabbits are $1.15, $5.50. The Cowboys and 16.5 the line there, 47.5 the total here. And we touched on it before, very disappointing on Sunday afternoon. I was watching South. They were up 16 nil. I thought, oh, well, this is this is just going to sail over. Money in the bank. And I saw on the thread that uh, it all just went south. They switched off. They lost interest. Uh, they still got the job done, but um, they didn't cover that line. What's thoughts here, Top Rope? Well, I hope they enjoy their end of season holiday south. They really earned it. Um, I will. Uh, I can't. I can't have a side here to be honest. I think the line does look a touch big. South have got five players missing. They've definitely got a better side. I can't be coming to the Cowboys. They've only covered three of their last fourteen in the state. So a little little angle here. I will be back in the over. I know there's going to be rain around in Sydney on Friday night. So the totals, I'd say, amazingly, amazing to say, it's relatively low at forty-seven and a half. But it's uh, uh, the Souths are, are, are an awful defensive side when Latrell Mitchell is not playing. Uh, the Cowboys are also missing their fullback. They're a pretty awful defensive side, full stop. It's often under underestimated the impact fullbacks have on defences because they do all the organising. I'm expecting this to be a bit of a shootout, to be honest. So I, I'll be back in the over 47.5 in this one. I wouldn't say a huge degree of confidence, but I, I definitely like it. And it's definitely a bet. Mm, so the preferred way there is the total. Okay, well, uh, let's have a look at uh, it's a really short weekend. As I said, split round with the Origin on next Wednesday. Let's have a look at the Origin market now. New South Wales, no surprise, dollar twenty favourites here. Queensland for sixty. The Lions, a flat fourteen, and the total forty four and a half. You sold me a pretty good story, uh, Top Rope, last uh, Origin match, and I said uh, there's absolutely no way that uh, Queensland could cover their line, and all I did was wanted to go chips in on Tommy Turbo, and that was probably the easiest watch I've seen for quite some time. Tell me another fable here. 
Uh, well, it's a bit hard to tell a fable voice because we don't actually know where the game's being played. So it makes it somewhat difficult where the games we played at the MCG, Newcastle, ANZ. Uh, so not a lot, not a huge degree of confidence uh, at this stage yet, but <laughs> it's very hard to go past the New South Wales Mines, isn't it? They've, they've won it by a combined 76 to 6 up there. Uh, I, hate the, I hate the decision to bring uh, Mitchell Moses into the halves for New South Wales, but he does play for Paramount. He's a grade one flat track bully. Coins uh, don't have a, yeah, arguably a better team, but your best bet is probably what you did last time, uh, Scooty, which tips on to Tommy Turbo Try. He's up against Debbie Tot, Hamaso, Tabuai, Fado. He bobs up everywhere. He's going to score a try. Uh, if we get anywhere around, what did we get last time? $1.92 last time? Well, it, was just in, it was just insane, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was free. Him and Latrell, both free, and they both, uh, both got the job done. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I can see another New South Wales hammering. The only worry is if the, the, the foot's been taken off the pedal. But looking at how this is all gone for them, I would be... The, the addition of a couple of new halves trying to prove themselves might kind of keep them a bit more focused this game. I think they've just got too much talent. So back on home soil, you'd assume uh, probably the minus the way to go. Tommy Turbo, we might have missed the price. I think it was a dollar ninety-two last time. They've wound him into a dollar eighty-one this time. He should be threes on. Yeah, still value. Yeah, he's crazy. Quite, he scored a couple of tries in the weekend. All right, so I'm gonna, I might make that my best for the week. <laughs> All right. Just printing, absolute printing. <laughs> Don't worry about the match result. Just take Tommy Turbo at the one eighty-one, and you won't be disappointed. Speaking of morals and locks of the week. Massive, massive hat tip to Top Rope Tedeschi. $14 he took uh, for Manly, 51 points plus. So he's taken his 200, uh, plonked it on at $14. So he's got 2800 in the bank now. And uh, MG, I think you hit your double. You're on 722. And my four-legger was out in the first round once Essendon couldn't cover the plus, what was it, 25 or 6.5 after leading 20 by 25 points down at the Cattery. They uh, absolutely choked up their game plan after the first quarter. It was embarrassing. They couldn't lower the eyes, and uh, I'm back to zero. But uh, top rope, sitting on top of the hill at 2,800. Lead us away, big fella. Uh, well, sadly, Scoot, there's no Storm Minus to steam into to bring this bad boy home. So uh, we're just going we're gonna, to... We're turbo! Gonna Put it on Turbo! We're going to get the pad, the front pad forward. We're going to play, you know, get the bat out of the way, get it uh, sh- shoulder arms somewhat. We're going to uh, really, we're really going to dog it up this week. We're going to take a two, little, two, little two leg double, mainly in the Sydney Roosters at a dollar thirty two, twenty eight hundred at a dollar thirty two. Boy, mainly into the Sydney Roosters. I tell you what, that is a recipe for it to just go tits up. Given this segment, like we've, <laughs> we've had a horror run. I'd rather the to- if you if yeah. you actually had it on Tommy Turbo, you'd get to five k. It'd be five thousand sixty eight dollars if you just had the lot on Tommy Turbo anytime. Yeah, I'm build- not saying he can do it at whatever he likes. He's but- building up the suspense. That's all right. He wants a oh, knockout. Pu- he wants a knockout punch a week after with Melbourne Storm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what, what better cheer? And it gives the charity a real life ticket next week. So uh, it's good viewing. I like it. Right, get someone uh, from the charity on. That's what we need. Yeah. Let's have uh, let's have yours then, MG. 
Yeah, I'm um, well overshadowed this week by top row. Can't compete with that. I'm just going to have a little double as well. Uh, Port Adelaide, $1.80 into Richmond at $1.53. So it's a $7.4, to uh, get me close to the 2K mark. And then uh, depending on Turbo and mine results, we'll see there might be a race next week. (laughs) God, this this brick on brick style from MG, it's... It'll put anyone to sleep. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have another, uh, another crack at a, uh, well, like a five legger here. The whole Mary. Yeah, and I watch this. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be really nasty here. I've, I've seen all this. It's coming home stuff on Twitter, and I'm gonna bury England in lock of the week here. So I'm gonna take England to, uh, to beat Denmark overnight tonight. What? They're in, they're in blistering form, so only I could stop them. I stopped... you've, been, you've been potting them for the last week and a half. England haven't won anything ever, you I, told me. I can stop anyone in a major tournament. Right. I've got form on the board. England to beat Denmark. Essendon to beat the Crows. South to beat North Queensland. The Hawks should be favourite over Frio in Frio. And then I'm going to take Tommy Turbo anytime at the dollar eighty one in Origin. I think it comes out to about nine dollars forty four. So two hundred at nine forty four gets me close to that two two k mark, and I'm back in business. He's covering a lot of ground, top rope. A lot of ground. <laughs> just just my best. Just the best across the grounds. He is dead set worse than any horse I back. Four wide without cover, covering ground. Yeah. I think Scooty's going to have to Scooty's going to have to sit out the lock next year because he's he's misinterpreted <laughs> what the lock actually means, and we'll just have we'll just have uh, episode Scooty's out wide covering the country. But, hmm. I tell you what, I'm if surprised England get you beat, didn't throw it's worth I'm surprised it. you didn't throw Xander in to win the Scottish Open. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I tell you what, after Xander's work on Twitter with the uh, the, the marriage and putting the dogs and dressing them up. I tell you what, any wonder he can't win a major. He is absolutely legless. <laughs> Still too soon there, top rope for Xander. <laughs> too soon. Lay, lay, lay. We've already got an open championship coming up next week, so I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure we can uh, we can pot him again then. Yeah, I'm tipping Scooty's not jumping aboard. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Cactus Here's your lock Xander. of the week. Yeah. Uh, no good at all. All right, Top Rope, good luck uh, with the split round this week. We'll get you uh, to maybe do an early uh, State of Origin update and preview early in the week next week. But uh, that's a wrap from us, and we're going to talk tennis next with Ace. But uh, thanks for joining us, Top Rope. Thanks. See you, fellas. See ya. Make sure you bet with a bookmaker you can trust this weekend if you're betting on the Euro or the Rugby League or the AFL or the Ponies. The uh, the Calandra Cup's been postponed, so they're back on Sunday. So that's another something that we can uh, have a look forward to. We've got the NBA Finals, so bet with a bookmaker you can trust. The Mellahan's been in the game for 35 years. Topsport.com.au, they're Australia's biggest betting bookmaker. And make sure you give them a try this weekend. Up next, we'll talk Wimbledon with Ace. Welcome back to Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. We've got MG in studio. It's time to talk tennis with Ace Previews, Stevie Quick. Our man is looking absolutely fresh. He's in the middle of a, uh, a big run, the French Open, Wimbledon, and he's just popped his head out of the water and another 10-foot way is going to crash him on the head and it's uh, the Olympics. The tennis is just going to keep rolling on. At least it's a better time zone, Tokyo. It uh, should be easy. Yeah, look, it's a little bit friendlier, which is is nice. I must say, I did enjoy the um, the Wimbledon rest day this year, although it's only the last time. It was nice to actually have Treasure. a day there of not covering tennis. But yeah, look, it's I can't complain compared to last year where we didn't have any tennis this time of year. It's it's nice to be able to have a, a lot of different options to to work with. 
Outstanding stuff. You've been on fire. Let's have a look at the men's tournament update. We've got Djokovic. I haven't stopped him yet. $1.36. Federer, $7.50. Berrettini, $10. And uh, Shapovalov, $17. Joker looks all too uh, easy for him now, doesn't it? Yeah, look, it's it's hard to make a case against him after, you know, he dropped the first set of the first round and has looked pretty dominant since. I think his his first serve points one is, you know, elite and far and away better than everyone else. So when you add that that ability for him to cover the court so well, it's it's a real dangerous mix, I think, for anyone here. The only thing you could maybe make a case for is, you know, the, the weather doesn't look great for the second week of Wimbledon. So the roof might be shut and whether, you know, a Shapovalov or you know, someone in, in, in that kind of ilk can, you know, really redline and produce just a, you know, a vintage performance and the biggest stage is about all you can really do. It, it's hard to think of, you know, if Federer couldn't knock him off here a, a couple of years ago, you know, now at, now at his age and off such little tennis, it, it's hard to see um, anyone really getting too close to him. And look, that's why he's, was it $1.36? Mm, better than uh, bank interest. It's sort of Tommy, <laughs> Tommy, Tommy Turbo's <laughs> type odds. Oh just God. have it in a little bit of a double with Tommy Turbo and just collect. The only person going better than uh, the joker at the moment is probably Ben Simmons at Wimbledon. Let's have a look at the women's market. We've got uh, Ash Barty, Aussie Ash. And uh, I think MG's just started to invest here. He had his hand in the till uh, backing Ash. Uh, Barty, $2.50 now, Ash. Uh, Sabalenka, $3.00. Kerber, $4.20. And Pliskova, $6.50. I'm just wrapped that uh, all the main ch- chances are... Uh, pro- I can pronounce them. I can yeah. spit them out. Who's who's winning this? Is uh, is it Ash's time here? The, the draw's open right up for her. Yeah, it really has. Um, I, I think she is... It's probably going to be the winner of that that Kerber Barty match. I think should should be able to to get over the line against um, the winner of Sabalenka and Pliskova, um, particularly in the final. And, and the experience that that either of those two players will have over their opponent will be will be key there. Um, but that will probably be one of the the more grueling matches. I think you know if you look at the form of Barty coming in and you look at the form of Evangelique Kerber over the last two and a half weeks, um, that sets up to be you know it's almost a final before the final here between those two, but I think looking at, at those prices, um, I, I do like Ash there to, to come through. Then looking to, to the bottom side, you know, Pliskova has looked pretty good across the, the course of the tournament. Um, I, I know Sabalenka look, looks awfully short, I think, in, in that semifinal, just looking at the, the head-to-head prices there. Mm. Yeah, let's have a look at uh, Ash Barty versus Kerber in uh, the upcoming match. Dollar forty-four. Ash Barty. Kerber's two eighty-four. The line three and a half, and the total points there twenty-one and a half, and a slight little tickle for the under into one eighty, one eighty-eight, and one ninety-two. The over there, Ace. What's the best way to attack that market? Yeah, as I said, it, it is going to be an interesting match. I am a little bit, you know, looking at, at the markets there. I am leaning towards that over 21.5 games. Um, I, I think, you know, for, for all the good that Barty has produced over the, the course of, of the tournament, she has still had a couple of slip-ups and a couple of lapses. Uh, she dropped a set to Suarez Navarro in the first round and was was down early to, to Krejcikova. And, you know, they're, they're the type of things that, you know, Angelique Kerber doesn't really, you know, she doesn't let up like some of these other players. You know, she's been there. She's done it all. She's, you know, the the last two tournaments that Kerber has won for her career have come on grass. And one of those was Wimbledon a couple of years back. So, you know, she, she's more than comfortable on this stage. So I think that, you know, 
Barty and, and her serve and her variety and her ability to change things up is going to come in you know, incredibly handy against Kerber. I think that's what Kerber's been able to take advantage of to this point is playing against some players who don't have that variety and a ability to change things up quite as much. But I, I do think that there is going to be a patch here. You know, we've seen Barty, you know, show some nerves at, at the semi-final stage. We saw that, you know, we've seen that a couple of times in, in Melbourne and, and a couple of times across the course of her career. So I think there might be a little patch there where, where Kerber can get on a little bit of a run. But I think over the course of the match, that it looks like it should be Barty to be able to win here and, and progress through to the final. Mm, you sold me on the over there. My thoughts, Mark? Yeah, no, I agree. I think he, um, I think right now the pressure will grow on Barty. I think she's kind of had such an easy draw up until this point uh, and the, very comfortable playing in the quarterfinal against an Australian that she knew that uh, couldn't beat her, basically. Um, but now I think when she, she looks at it and she's down to the final four uh, and the pressure of an Australian going into Wimbledon, I think uh, with Kerber being there and done that before, um, you know, I, I still want to see Barty get through and I think she will. Uh, but Kerber, I'm not sure if Kerber will be necessarily her biggest test, but in terms of the pressure, I think she'll be more comfortable who she plays in the final compared to Kerber because mm. um, she knows what she'll get with the other two girls. It's just all-out power. They don't have a game, a plan B, whereas yeah. Kerber can adjust to the situation more. Um, so, yeah, I think Ace is all over it. Uh, I'm just hoping Barty gets through to the to the final and gives a chance for an Aussie to win, uh, win Wimbledon. He's so cool. Yeah, it'd be uh, something to uh, buck us all up here down under. Seem to be uh, making a meal of most things, but uh, hopefully uh, Aussie Ash can get the job done. Let's have a look at uh, another men's match for tomorrow night. Hopefully we all overnight tonight. Sorry, we've got uh, Roger Federer a dollar thirty nine and Hubert Herkaz. I think I've probably made a much of that one. Federer a dollar thirty nine. Hubert three oh five. The line four and a half, <laughs> and the total there is a flat thirty eight with uh, the money trickling for the over in a one eighty seven there. How am I uh, going to wager on this one, Ace? I'm looking to her catch at the plus 4.5 games in this one. And, and look, when you look through the four matches that Federer has played across the, the course of the tournament, he was very lucky in round one that, that Manorino, you know, hurt himself up two sets to one against Federer and, and couldn't really continue at the start of that fifth set. But moving through there, then it's it's Gasquet, it's it's Norrie and Sanago and for all that those players have in terms of their ability to cover the court and, you know, that they can you know, show some consistency and, and, and shot making, they just don't have, I guess, the, the comfort on serve that, that Hercatch will probably have here. You know, he's, he's won a big tournament this year. He won the, the uh, Masters 1000 in Miami. He's, he's shown that he can play and, and match against some of the, the best players. He's very rangy. He's, you know, he, he's a, He's a lanky-looking guy, but he covers the court really well. He's able to get out, you know, out wide, both sides of the court, and and you know, isn't afraid to come into the net and, and try and finish off points. So I think this is the biggest test so far for Federer, and I think the, the big thing with Federer over time is that it's how is his body going to hold up across the course of the fortnight? He's got a really big, you know, potential couple of matches ahead here with, you know, either Berrettini or Audrey Aliassim in, in the semi-final, and then probably Novak beyond that. So it's I think this is a little bit of a danger spot here with, with her catch coming and, you know, he played exceptionally well, you know, overnight to, to finish off Danil Medvedev from two sets to one down. So I think that plus 4.5 is, is just probably a little bit big, I think, of, of what we've seen from Federer, not just this tournament, but Federer across the, the course of, of 2021. It just hasn't quite been to the same level. 
um, and he's he's found himself tightening up a little bit in some of those those key later moments. So I think plus four point five, probably a, a game game and a half, probably up on on what I would be be marketing this yeah. one at. So happy to to make a little play there. Do you think Ace that uh, Herbert having to come back, uh, Hubert? Sorry, having to come back and finish off the match and have the less preparation going forward hurts him in any way? Or is, does it help him in the fact that now he has less time to realise who he's going up against in the quarterfinal and potentially going forward as well? I mean, he's coming up against uh, probably one of the greatest on grass ever. Does it actually help him coming off Medvedev over the two days with less preparation to come in or doesn't affect him? Yeah, I, I don't think it hurts him as much as you know some people think. And I think you know there are a lot of people who are questioning whether you know Federer got in the year of organisers and making them come back and play the next day instead of putting them on centre court under the roof. But I think Hercatch and Medvedev made that decision to come back the next day. Um, I think, you know, he was only on court. I think it was for the, you know, 45 minutes max. I think Medvedev, you know, double faulted his way out of the, the first service game and blinking you miss it at the fifth set was was pretty much done in, in pretty one-sided fashion. So I, I don't think there's too much of a concern there. And, you know, looking at his age and, and how much he's played recently, I, I wouldn't be too worried and, and if that's an issue for, for her catch coming up against Federer at his age off, off yep. all these injuries and lack of tennis, then I'm a little bit worried for, for Hubert. Yeah. Mm. So is that, sorry, is there any chance you see uh, the fairy tale playing out where Federer can reach the final against Djokovic to uh, claim another title? I Looking at the prices, and I'm, I'm trying to remember what, what we had up on the screen there, is it around that kind of $10 to $12, I think? Federer is Federer 50 He's, he's coming even, even more. It's it's a tough ask, I think, at his age. And, and I think if, if he were to to come through and, and progress and and win the tournament, then it probably goes down as one of the best Grand Slam wins, I think, in well, in, in recent history by by quite a long way. You know, he, he's been able to, you know, and, and he said from the outset this year that that everything he's done is aiming towards this fortnight. Um. It, it's going to be tough just from a, a physicality standpoint, I think, for his fitness. You know, uh, we've seen him, or I've seen him multiple times this year on different surfaces struggle late in third sets of matches. So I just wonder as soon as we get to, you know, late in a fourth set or, or early in a fifth set again, whether he's going to be able to kind of, you know, bring his best level and then back it up. You know, her catch is, is, is no pushover and, and Auger Eliasim and Berrettini, whoever he meets in the semifinal isn't. As well, so you know things are about to really ramp up for Federer, and I just think you know that that price is a little bit unders, I think, on the outright, but it would be yeah. a, a huge win, I think, if he, if he could make his way through. Be good to see the fairy tale though, Djokovic, Federer in the uh, Wimbledon. Mm. It's, it's all or nothing for Federer, isn't it? In this, is this like, yeah. you know, if he doesn't get over this hurdle, in all seriousness, is this pretty much for, for the final season for Federer? I I can't see him. I can't see him winning a Grand Slam on any surface other than grass. I just don't think he has it in him to play best of five sets on hard court unless he absolutely dominates his way through early in tournaments. But his ranking isn't high enough to be able to get those those cushier draws. Mm. So, look, I, I think it's a matter of you know seeing how he goes here um, and then he, I think he's going to then make a call as to whether he goes to the Olympics or you know how he goes at the Olympics. But then from there, it's, it's hard to see him adding to that slam tally. 
Outstanding stuff yet again. Eh? So, uh, Djokovic, hard to beat in the men's outright. Fairy tale for Federer. And then uh, Ash Barty and Kerber is going to be the one to watch out for. Expect an epic contest there and over 21.5 points there. And uh, Hubert at the plus is the uh, the value play against the Dodger. Fantastic stuff. Ace, we're going to terrorise your all Olympics now. You've put yourself in. So, we'll get you back for uh, for more tennis previews uh, in the Olympic schedule. And the best thing is you'll get the snooze there because uh, the Japanese uh, time slot is uh, much, much, much more closer. So uh, thanks for joining us, mate, and good luck uh, across the week. No worries. Thanks again for having me. All right, up next, we're going to talk uh, some NBA with Corey Homicide-Williams. Can't wait for that one. And some uh, NBL recap. Uh, Melbourne United, Mark's team, were uh, way too good for the Perth Wildcats. We'll take a quick break, but if you're betting this weekend, make sure you check out topsport.com.au. They've got markets on absolutely everything, and they're Australia's biggest betting bookie. So check them out, topsport.com.au. Welcome back to Little Purdy Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I've got MG in studio, but it's now time to talk to Corey Homicide-Williams, our uh, resident NBA and NBL expert. How are you, Homicide? I am fantastic. I got my coffee. I'm good. Life's great. <laughs> I tell you what, Melbourne United, you were all over them. They uh, they won basically untouched the NBL uh, playoff series. Impressive. Yeah, I mean, it was impressive. They got the job done, regardless of... Uh, Bryce Cotton there or not, a championship one is a championship one. Would it have been as easy if Cotton was there? No, it wouldn't have. But at the end of the day, you have the championship. Congratulations to them. Outstanding stuff. And uh, the big story over the last week has been college basketballers are now going to get paid. So what impact will that have on the NBL? Man, it's... it's is it dangerous? Yeah, it, uh, that pretty much... Um, well, I put it to you like this. If you are a one-and-done player, you're going to college for one season and, and you're getting out of there, um, it definitely puts the the Next Stars um, initiative at risk for not getting top-tier talent because mm. now there's going to be companies and brands that's willing to endorse them in college yeah. on U.S. soil. So it will have young talent reluctant to want to take that journey to Australia if they can make money at home. Then you have other avenues now coming strong like the G League Ignite and uh, Overtime Elite. So there's just a lot more opportunity for the, these young, talented kids mm. to earn at home. So, mm. you know, good on them. These colleges have been making billions off their backs. So it's about time. It yeah. seems like uh, the NBL season was a big, big success, and the new big team is going to be the Jack Jumpers down in uh, Tassie. How do you think that'll uh, roll out? I'm excited. They signed a lot of players so far. They signed some some good off season. They've had some good off season acquisitions. Um, that's the team I'm back in next season. So I'm excited for Scott Roth. <laughs> um, a couple of Perth Wildcats have gone um, from WA down there, Clint Steinle. So um, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it rounds itself out. I just want them to be competitive you know a lot of times when new teams come into mm. a league yeah. it's an easy win yeah. you know um southeast melbourne phoenix have done a fantastic job in only two years yeah. they were a game away from yeah. going to the grand finals yeah. you know what more could you ask for yeah right i mean obviously win but i mean it's just a great step yeah, in the right direction so, so do you think they will be competitive yeah one? yeah for sure they'll be competitive yeah, yeah. Mm. and what about you you're off to uh, tokyo soon so Excited about that? Super excited to have an opportunity to um, 
called Olympics. You know, um, that's, unbelievable. That that it is. It yeah. truly is. Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen to anybody. You know what I mean? I work hard. I work extremely hard, and I'm just glad that something that I really wanted and aimed for has come to fruition. Mm. Mark was a bit disappointed about uh, Benny Simmons not going to uh, Tokyo, but uh, he was seen at uh, Wimbledon. Uh, Mark loves the tennis, and he's there in the stands with Maya. That's where would you? I know where I'd rather be. I'd yeah. probably be at the tennis. I mean, to be honest with you, you <laughs> he's know, he's good enough to do both. <laughs> we're all human, you know. Yeah. Um, needs a rest. It needs a rest. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a long year. It was a tiring year. It didn't end the way obviously he or the organization wanted it to. No one would be more disappointed in Ben than Ben, mm. right? So he has to just exhale, reflect, enjoy life a little bit, and then get to work. And that's the right way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, he needs to refresh the mind. Got to. Anything, doesn't he? Oh. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, uh, the NBA playoffs. He stayed with a beautiful woman, though. <laughs> he oh. stayed with a beautiful woman. <laughs> he looks pretty relaxed. Oh. I mean, you know, Very he's vibing. <laughs> he's vibing. <laughs> he's, me- he's mentally refreshed already for more. Yeah, he's absolutely dominating Love life. It. And, uh, yeah, there's uh, some mental demons around uh, for Giannis at the moment. Mark and I, we've been watching a lot of the playoffs in here, and it's a good segue into uh, – this 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 finals series, it's fascinating. I loved uh, the the crowds, what they were doing to Giannis on the free throw line, and gee, there's some head noise starting to develop. Uh, I've never seen a player of his caliber airball at the free throw line. Giannis, I mean, it, it happens, you know. But um, more important, will he be healthy mm. for game one? Yeah, which is shortly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and from all reports, uh, he's. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a club decision, you know, the ownership decision, head coach, GM, everybody, Massive. all hands are on deck. And um, it's it's very, very, there's no structural damage, yeah. but um, the way he plays the game, he's not a shooter, right? He's mm-hmm. cutting and yeah. going hard and taking these hits in yeah. the basket and real physical players. So if it's not ready to go get, you lose game 1 you don't lose the championship no, exactly. right he's yeah. good enough to bounce back and get games in a row mm-hmm. we saw that right look what they did in brooklyn this series right they was down 0-2 yeah. right so they need to make sure he's fully ready to go at least 80% ready to go or let him sit out yeah. mm-hmm. let him sit out and come back game 2 they just invested 250 million dollars into this man right yeah. 5 year deal yeah that's a shitload of money. <laughs> so the last thing you would want to do yeah. is push it yeah. when you could wait two, three days. Yeah. You know what I mean? For him to come back game two and come back harder and healed a little bit more. Yeah. So if I'm them, I'm You're sitting resting. out of this game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it probably makes sense. And we saw Brooklyn Nets, the, they got derailed uh, with injuries, especially to Harden. He got rushed back and yeah. it sort of didn't really work. So, yeah. if, so, if he, so if he sits out game one, likelihood of sitting out game two as well? No, nah, I think he'll play game two. Definitely mm. play game two? I think he'll play game two. Do you two. think it could be also dependent of the results? So say say they go without him game one and Milwaukee get the win, do they then just roll roll out with him? Or? Well, if Milwaukee gets the win in game one, I'd sit him game two, two. and yeah. go on and, and have him play in, Mil- yeah. uh, in yes. Milwaukee because yes. it's two, three, yes. two. Yeah. Yeah. So it's dependent. Yep. So you think that he definitely he won't play would be your tip for game one? He's not playing game one. Yep. Okay. That's my tip. Yep. 
So the Suns are 139, 305, the Bucks on the line, five and a half there. But uh, probably the uh, the more interesting one, because most people will be tuning in after game one, is the Phoenix Suns are $1.50 to win uh, outright, and then the Bucks is $2.60. Who do you think is going to take it? Is it going to go deep to seven or six games? Or I, I love Booker from what I see. I love a shooter. If a Suns a good thing here at the $1.50? I think I, I'm picking the Suns to win it. Mm. That's my pick. Um, let's look at the numbers, right? I mean, let's just go through it from Phoenix's run in finals, right? They beat the Lakers 4-2. to two. They sweep the Nuggets, and then they beat the Clippers in 6-4-2, to two, right? Chris Paul, 16 years plus he's played in this league. Mm, yeah. He's never been in this position ever. This is his time. This is his moment. He done battle injuries with his shoulder with the Lakers. They didn't know if, you know, he was going to be able to play. Came back, got it done. The man had COVID. <laughs> he had COVID against what? The Clippers? Yeah. <laughs> Another COVID survivor. <laughs> Survived. <laughs> got it done. Now he's, now he's enhanced and win the championship. Well, that's why. That's why he's got the edge. He's got COVID. He's yeah, had it. He's had the reset. And uh, he's 10 assists away from being top 10 all time over, yeah. wow. uh, going over Kobe in assists. Wow. So he'll probably get that to, yeah. um, in game one. That's but um, he's averaged, what, uh, 18 in the playoffs? 47% yeah. from the field. It's plus or minus. It's plus five. Devin Booker, this backcourt is unbelievable, right? This yeah. young stud. He's unreal, right? They, the next Kobe Bryant, Stephen A. Smith says, right? Well, 27, 6, and 5, shooting at 44% from the field. Plus minus plus six, right? Mm. So that back court plus eleven with them on the court. Then you got DeAndre Ayton. Pay that man. Yeah. What he's been able to do under Monty Williams and Chris Paul leading the show. Just duck traditional big man offensive moves. He's displayed, and that's how he's played the game. They simplified his game. Now stop shooting all them jump shots, man. Get your big ass in the paint <laughs> with this pick and roll with you and Paul. Come on, man. That's what Chris Paul yeah. does with his yeah. bigs. Blake Griffin. You know what I mean? Look at his Lele Clippers days. You know, that's what he does. And he's made him to a young superstar in the making. Six, 16 points per game, shooting a clip, 70%. That's all layups and dunks, bro. Yeah. Come yeah, on, keep man. Him close to the basket. Plus and minus is five. So you put all together, they plus and minus on the court is 16. Don't forget about campaign Mikael Bridges, Crowder, mm-hmm. Tory Craig, who played in the NBA, yeah. NBL. Yeah. Tory Craig played in the NBL. He was defensive player of the year with Brisbane Bullets one year. Yep. And now got to the NBA and it's played with nothing but, I'll give you a fun fact, Tory Craig, win or lose, gets a championship ring because he was with Milwaukee That's this true. year and That's got true. traded to Phoenix. That's very strange. Now, that is a beautiful position <laughs> to be in. So does he get the ring early? <laughs> he should be able to play. He could either way. <laughs> oh, having a look at the top spot markets, most points in the series, uh, Devin Booker's $1.80, Giannis two eighty, and then uh, Middleton three fifty. Could be a bet there, Devin Booker. But let's ask Homicide about the finals, MVP. Chris Paul two sixty, Booker three fifty, Giannis $4, Middleton five fifty, Holiday 12 and much better the rest. Can who who get the MVP? I'm gonna say Chris Paul. Yeah, he's the decision maker. He's gonna um, put up buckets and create for others, right? So assists and points, he'll always be. He's gonna lead in. Yeah, right. But uh, don't forget Devin Booker. But depending on how Greek Freak come back, I mean, his numbers have been ridiculous. You know, let's not forget. 
Greek Freak, where we at here? 28, 12, and 5 in 15 games. They're 7 and 5 without them. But more important, this Milwaukee team, defensively, they're legit, man. Regular season, they average 110 a game, giving up 110 points a game. In the playoffs, 105, right? Three-point field goal attempts, the opposition, 15 in regular season, playoffs, 12, right? Their length and athleticism on the perimeter, they're a good defensive team, right? Three-point percentage in the regular season, 38%. Now it's 34% in the playoffs. And points in the paint from 43 points to uh, 38 points. So defensively, they have stepped up. Will the length and athleticism on the perimeter bother the Phoenix Suns? Mm. Yeah. That's going to be the question. Yeah. yeah. So do you think um, uh, game one totals at 219? So do you think this will generally be a, or historically, uh, a, bit tight a, high, a high scoring game? Or do you think generally in playoff finals, the scoring comes Tottens down up. as more defense? Well, for me, I think this game will be over. Over the 219 and a half. Well, Greek Freak right. ain't there. Yeah. Way more opportunity to get more buckets. Phoenix want to run. Yeah. So Phoenix going to put up a buck, a buck, buck 10. Yeah. Today. Yeah. So you think Milwaukee without the Greek Freak breaks down more defensively? As a unit. Hell yeah, yeah, it's the Greek freak. That's a, a former defensive player of the year. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You ain't going to the page. the Greek freak. <laughs> Don't forget the last word. Freak. You know, so, you know, the rim protection. You know, yeah. you still got Lopez, rim protection. They're long, man. Chris yeah. Middleton, he's long on the perimeter. Yeah. You know, so I think it'll go over today. I got game one, I got Phoenix, Phoenix over. Mm. Phoenix, and uh, over. it sounds like yeah for the uh, the series too. Uh, Homicide likes uh, the Suns. So four yeah, what, one what? four ones at four forty. Four threes four fifty. The Bucks four two five fifty. And the Suns four two five fifty. They're probably the most likely outcomes. Can we I'd get a game say. seven? Can this go to game seven? I know it's depending on the freak coming back. If if the freak is healthy, this is going seven. Mm. Ooh, like it. A lot more basketball to come then. Can't wait. And uh, you'll be in absolute all sorts with uh, the totals betting. It goes right down the wire. So make sure uh, if you're going to check out some NBA playoff action, head to uh, topsport.com.au. But a big thanks to you, Homicide, for uh, coming in. Good luck in uh, Tokyo. I'm sure you'll know the commentary. Very entertaining on uh, NBL. Give, oh, we'll, we'll, give a shout well, out. Yeah, to give the us Aussies. a shout out, little give birdie. No, I, you, I you love giving a shout out. Give a shout out. Give a shout out to the Aussie team. Look after us over there. Yo, I, I and, appreciate it, man. And, and and bring Australia back. Shout a out to little birdie. Bring, bring Australia back a medal. Listen, <laughs> oh, right? no, we need it. Huh? Uh, if Australia medals, there'll be so much more commercial opportunity yeah. for basketball in this country. It would be ridiculous because yeah. at that point, Australian Australian basketball becomes a legitimate global powerhouse. On every level, level they're legit yeah. and recognized in the world. Yeah. But the men's boomers. And for that to happen, they need the medal. Good luck. Wow. Outstanding stuff. Homicide was down at Hoop City early in the week down at Sandringham. It's a uh, fantastic basketball facility. You can track your own stats. So make sure you check out Hoop City down there. MG, that's a wrap from us. Been a monster show. We've got Wimbledon, Euro, AFL, NRL. It is just absolutely Cover off the more. charts. And yeah. we get to watch the NBA playoffs every morning. Outstanding. Or every second morning. It's a big day. Thanks, Homicide. That's a wrap from us. We'll see you next week.